Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. You know, when you sing a hymn like that right before you preach, you almost feel like you should just stand up and say, yeah, we'll sing it again, amen. It's just a good one. I have an assignment for you. Now, that might be a dangerous thing for a guy who's preaching to you for the first time to say right off the bat. But I have an assignment for you. And that's when you get home, I want you to look up this story, The Rich Man and Poor Lazarus on Google, and then I want you to click on the Images tab. And there you'll see the different ways that artists have portrayed this story throughout the years. You know, that can be really helpful when you're reading a Bible story. Just see the different ways that people have portrayed it visually. And what will you find? Well, you'll find the rich man. Generally in his purple garment. He's got a table spread with a ton of food. He's got good stuff to drink. Sometimes he's by himself. Other times he's with a group of friends throwing a party. He's the center of attention got everything that you need. And then you've got poor Lazarus. Super skinny. You can count every bone in his body. Covered in sores, surrounded by dogs who are licking those sores. His eyes are sometimes puffy, but oftentimes his hands are folded. He's kind of looking off into the corner as if to look to the heavens and say, please. And it's true that these images and this story shows you the contrast between the worldly possessions of the rich man and poor Lazarus, absolutely. And we have to talk about them because they're in the text. But to talk only about the earthly possessions that these two had would be to miss Jesus' point. And it would be to miss the point of this sermon completely. You see, the the rich man had everything that you could possibly need by this world's standard. When people looked at him, they probably thought to themselves, wow, that guy really understands what's going on in life. He gets it. Things are going well. And when they looked at Lazarus, that was absolutely the opposite. What did he do wrong? How come he's so poor? What we'll see by the end of this sermon is that you already have what you need. You already have what you need in this life. You already have what you need in death. Before I I go any further, I should say this. Money in and of itself is not an evil thing to have. In fact, there have been many Christians throughout the years who have had a lot of wealth and have used it for a lot of good. The love of money is evil. And so often, the devil uses the things of this world, particularly money, to make us spiritually blind. And the money and the things of this world become our idols. And what happens when that happens is we become blind to the needs of other people in this world, And worse than that, 
we become blind to God himself. Let's uh, dive into the contrast between these two guys a little bit further. You have the rich man, who interestingly enough is not given a name. Sometimes you will hear that this is the story of Dives and poor Lazarus. Well, that's just a Latin word signifying extravagance. <laughs> but he's not given a name. He's often, he's dressed in the, in the purple linen. He has food, he has drink, he has everything that you need. Probably a nice house. He was the VIP of events. People wanted to be around him. It looked like in this life, he absolutely had everything that he needed. Everything was going so well for him. But what did he not have time for? Well, he didn't have time for beggars. He didn't have time for compassion. He didn't have time for anything except himself. After all, why would he need it? Everything in this world seemed to be going so well. Everything was great. And then there's Lazarus. You know, truthfully, I never liked this story when I was a kid. Because I thought to myself, well, I know I'm kind of supposed to be like poor Lazarus, but I don't really want to have sores all over my body, and I don't really want to have dogs licking me like that. And there he was, sitting there as a beggar at the gate of the rich man. Every day he sat there. He longed just to eat what fell from the guy's table. Skinny, poor, destitute, sores. He couldn't even fight off the dogs that were coming to lick his sores. Between these two guys, who really looks like they had what they needed in this earth? Well, if we look at it from just a very earthly point of view, we would have to say, well, the rich man really has it going pretty well. But then there's a great reversal of fortunes, isn't there? When poor Lazarus dies, the text tells us that he is carried to Abraham's side, which is just another way of saying heaven. And the rich man, well, he went to hell. And while he's in hell, he looks up and he sees Lazarus, who, by the way, he knows his name. Lazarus means, my God is my help. Well, that's fitting, isn't it? He sees Lazarus. And he says, please, Lazarus, just even tuck your finger in some water and, and put it on my tongue because I'm in such agony and such torment. And why could he not do that? Why could he not go to the rich man? Well, a couple reasons. One, they'd already, their time of grace had ended. The rich man had received good things. What he had received in this life, those were his good things. It was done now. He couldn't come to faith after the fact. And Lazarus, well, he had eternal joys of heaven. And also there was a great chasm fixed between the two guys. They couldn't go from one place to the other. And so he says to him, well, okay, fine. At least go to my brothers. I have five of them. Send someone from the dead. 
They have what they need, Abraham says. They have Moses and the prophets, which is another way of just saying the Scriptures. They have what they need in those Scriptures. That is what Lazarus had. That is what got him here. His faith in what those say. And even if someone from the dead goes to him, he will not believe. That occurs pretty often in the Bible. It's not the miracle that creates faith, but it is the Word of God. So if they're not going to listen to the Word of God, well, they're not going to, some miracle isn't going to do it for them either. And it wouldn't. Now, we shouldn't say that this reversal of fortunes is always the way it works in life. It's not always the people that are the poorest in this life are the people that are going to end up in heaven, and the people that are richest in this life are going to end up in hell. That's not Jesus' point. Jesus' point is, truthfully, what is your priority? (laughs) If your priority is in all the riches and the good things of this life, well, then you really have nothing in the life to come. But if your priority is on the riches of the Scriptures and what they have to say to you, well, you have eternal blessedness in the life to come, whether you are rich or poor in this life. Who do you identify with in this parable? In a certain extent, we can say, well, I identify with poor Lazarus because I know that all of you have faith in Jesus. But sometimes isn't the temptation to live like the rich man? What takes priority? Money? Self-gratification? Some other thing of this world relationships? Or is it God's Word? And we have to say, if the other things begin to take priority and we we fall away, our end would be no different than that of the rich man. How foolish really would it be to exchange the, the short nature of this life for eternity in heaven? It would be like this. If life is just a drop of water, your lifetime, And all of eternity is the ocean. What would you rather have? The drop? Or the ocean? I think it's pretty clear. When it comes down to it, the question is really this. What did poor Lazarus have that the rich man did not? He had faith. He believed what Moses and the prophets said. Lazarus knew that sin had entered this world. And so therefore, there was going to be struggle. There was going to be hardships. He read about how Cain and heard about how Cain had killed his brother Abel. He had heard how Israel had gone away from God again and again and again. He knew that there was problems on this earth. And I'm sure that there were times where Lazarus looked up to heaven and said, Why, God? Why are you doing this to me? 
What did I do to deserve this? Because Lazarus knew that he was a sinner too. But it didn't stop there because Lazarus also knew the promises of God. He knew that God had said through Moses, the words that we heard quoted in our epistle reading for today, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. What else did he know about God? Well, he knew the prophet Isaiah had said, comfort, comfort my people. I will remember your sins no more. He knew that God was a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and rich in faithful love. He knew all of those things about God through Moses and the prophets. And I wonder if the words of the prophet Habakkuk weren't often on his mind and in his heart as he sat there at the the gate of the rich man and thought to himself, why is this happening to me? The words of Habakkuk say this, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. You see, faith changes the way that we view the blessings and the challenges in this life. When we receive blessings in this life, which we do, and we ask for daily bread when we say the Lord's Prayer, we give thanks to God. We say, wow, that is a great blessing from God that he has given to me. And sometimes we use that earthly wealth to help those who are less fortunate, realizing that this wealth isn't something that we have done or something that we have deserved by any means. It's only by God's grace that we have it. But it also changes the way that we view the challenges of this life. If I lose my job or work isn't going well, yet I will rejoice in God my Savior. When relationships are going poorly and things just aren't really the way I want them to be, Yet I will rejoice in God my Savior. Though I might be mistreated, I might have sores covering my body, I might have nothing in this world. Yet I will rejoice in God my Savior and the things he has done for me. That is what poor Lazarus had. He had Moses and the prophets. He knew that whatever happened in this life was really just a short amount of time. He knew that he had, it, he had what he needed, even if it didn't look like it. When the last day comes, we will also stand before God as beggars. <laughs> But through Jesus, we become rich. As St. Paul says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. 
We come to church each Sunday as beggars. And God comes to us in His Word and His sacraments. And He says, You are forgiven. You are my child. Take and eat the very simple thing. It's not all of the splendor of this earth. It's nothing grand. An instrument of torture. A cross. Simple elements. Bread and wine. Water. At baptism. And he gives to you the very forgiveness of sins. Which you so need. And I so need. So we come before God. And we come into church. And our posture is this. Lord, have mercy on me. I am a sinner. And he says, you are forgiven. We say, I need it again and again. Through faith in him, you already have everything that you need. Amen.